Welcome to Collector's Corner, the premier digital art platform. We help collectors gain and maintain their edge, all while appreciating beautiful art. Let's jump in. Perfect. I'm going to go a little bit fast here at the beginning because Sarah Zucker, one of our fantastic artists and speakers, has to run in about 12 minutes. So uh, super quickly, we're Collector's Corner. We're super excited to do this Spaces with LACMA, um, who are not here, but they are uh, hosting this new release that I'll let Lady Cactoid talk about a little bit more, along with Cactoid Labs, who are helping power and uh, set up this release. So again, I'll let them speak to that. But in addition to that, I, this is like a historic collaboration. Uh, LACMA is doing an NFT launch with these fantastic artists. So I wanted to really quickly introduce them. We have Ixshells, who is a generative curation and, and sound artist and does a lot of just beautiful work in the Caribbean glitch style and is one of the top-selling super rare artists. We have Monica Rizzoli, who's a well-known generative artist, does fantastic work and is, is uh, perhaps best known, at least within our corner of the Web3 world, uh, the gen art corner for her art blocks created release fragments of an infinite field which was really a, a huge huge release we also have jen stark another amazing generative artist has an art blocks collection called vortex and just just does all sorts of things that uh we don't have time to go into all of it but has been exhibited in the smithsonian and the mocha amongst others we have sarah zucker who's an amazing artist and writer has a fantastic show, The Sarah Show, and is also a top-selling artist in her own right. And Emily Shia, who is known as a one of the best generative artists, uh, had memories of Chi Lin, her collection that launched last year, and has had numerous other beautiful works. So we are really honored to be up on the stage with such talented and fantastic artists and builders and really thank everybody for coming and listening and uh, hearing about this really cool project that's going to be coming out with LACMA soon. So maybe I could throw it over to you, Lady Cactoid, to just quickly um, lay the foundation a little bit, and then we can hop over to Sarah and uh, start with some artist questions. But just, uh, yeah, anything to add to set the stage, Lady Cactoid? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for having us. Um, so I am Lady Cactoid. I am a co-founder of Cactoid Labs. I'm an artist and curator, and we have been working um, really over the past year to bring to fruition this um, historic collaboration between the five artists that we have here on stage um, and the Los Angeles County Museum of Art, or LACMA. Um, LACMA is... Um, an institution in Los Angeles that's really been at the forefront of art and technology. Uh, the museum began uh, what is a pretty iconic um, and sort of pivotal art and technology program in the 1960s that brought together artists like Andy Warhol and James Terrell and Robert Irwin. And they have, in the past 10 years, rebooted that program as the Art and Technology Lab that basically gives very um, cool grants for artists to uh, realize ambitious projects. They have you know, teamed artists up with SpaceX, with JPL, which is the Jet Propulsions Laboratory in Pasadena, California. And um, what we are doing with these artists will actually go to benefit the Art and Technology Lab. 
So the five artists um, here with us today who will speak to what they're, they're um, working on in just a minute have all been invited to make new work that is in dialogue with the museum's permanent collection. And the collection is what they call an encyclopedic collection, meaning that it goes back thousands of years. It's not just modern and contemporary. And so everyone is looking at different objects and it's meant to sort of be a meditation on time and a way for us to expand the dialogue of how digital art is being framed. Um, I think, you know, all of us here feel so passionately about the importance of what's happening on the blockchain. And what we're trying to do is, is strengthen the sort of um, the the sort of space that digital digital art is is operating within and spoken about um, aside of. So um, I'm really excited for the artists to speak to what they are making. Um, the first release that we're going to be doing is uh, March 8th, and then we're going to be doing um, fairly regular projects uh, after that. So I know Sarah has to jump fairly quickly. So I want I know there's a lot more we'll get into, but maybe before we do that, Sarah, you could introduce yourself and and tell us about what you're what you're doing with Atma. Thank you, um, and thank you all for um, making space for me here. I, I wasn't sure I was going to be able to join today, so excited to be with you all, um, and very excited to be with with these other incredible artists releasing this work with LACMA. Um, I have prepared two very potent, very dank, very strange <laughs> artworks uh, for everyone as, as felt like the um, occasion called for. Uh, the first of which is called Two Answers. Um, and it is a video painting style artwork of mine that's graphic, that's figurative, that's fun, that's psychedelic. Um, and I created it in response to an artwork called Two Dancers uh, by Ernst Ludwig Kirchner, who was um, one of the German expressionists. And for those who don't know, LACMA has this like incredible collection of German expressionist artwork. So uh, being a, an Angelino myself and loving the museum, I uh, just sort of instantly knew I wanted to work um, in dialogue with these expressionists because I, I really feel uh, that my work has descended from that sort of framework in a lot of ways. So um, two answers, uh, you know, these two works I created, I, I really created in dialogue with each other. And, um, and being two artworks, uh, they both speak to the experience of duality um, and sort of a tender duality and the um, uh, this concept I've been chewing on a lot lately as someone who, who started working with uh, editioning my work as NFTs back in 2019. And I've watched this all mutate and expand and explode and fall apart and come together and <laughs> again and again and again. Um, you know, a lot of this work with NFTs comes from this place, this desire for self-sovereignty. Uh, which is, you know, a value we hold very dear and is kind of why this has become so potent, why it's gotten under a lot of people's skin. Um, Self-sovereignty is uh, 
um, it's big. It's a big change uh, from how things have historically run. Um, but as I've watched the space <laughs> sort of reach this greater adoption, uh, it's it's just become very clear to me and my own inner um, moral compass and, and sense of core values that um, equally important to self-sovereignty is the value of collective care. And that without collective care, self-sovereignty uh, cannot be sustained. And um, I've just sort of recognized how these two values are counterpoints to each other and, and that we live our lives the best we possibly can when we allow those two values to sort of wind together and contain the other in themselves. So it's a bit mystical, it's a bit um, uh, psychedelic in a way. And so I, I'm really excited for everyone to see the work that I've prepared. And then I'll only speak briefly to the second artwork because I, I think it's gonna be maybe a while before it emerges, but they are very much in dialogue with each other. Um, my second piece is called On My Way to IDK. Uh, it's based on an artwork I found in the museum's collection called We Don't Know Where We're Going, But We're On The Way. Um, this artwork from kind of, uh, both works I responded to are from about a hundred years ago. And it's this painting of this sort of pleasant looking Caucasian couple, sort of like, uh, you know, this painting was done in 1918. So if you think about it, it was at the end of World War One. It was in the midst of the uh, influenza pandemic. It, it was a time that I think really mirrors the time we're living in. And, and I, I really responded to this painting as a statement of hope, a statement of connection. Um, so I created my artwork uh, kind of taking that same flavor, taking that same content and channeling it through my style. Um, uh, and so on my way to IDK uh, actually correlates to two answers uh, in being this statement of duality, but also with this sense of forward motion and the excitement and the dread and the mania <laughs> that can come out of uh, that forward motion and that sense of knowing we're moving forward, but we have literally no fucking clue where we're going. Um, and we just kind of have to buckle in and 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 uh, do our best to enjoy the ride. So that's my work. Thank you for, for letting me speak. And and I'm excited. I'm excited to share with everyone. Well, uh, we're excited to see what comes of this. I, I have to be honest, part of these spaces is really understanding a lot of the artist intent and sharing what you have. It just shows to the community how, not that they don't know this already, but just how well thought out and even the tie back to the old art and where we are today and some of the correlation i just think is absolutely um stunning and it's a uh, it's no reason especially with this panel why everybody's so successful in this space it, it you know i know you have to go but i just want to say thank you for sharing that was that was really incredible thank you sarah i'm so excited that you were able to to get some of that um in and yeah, as what, what Sarah has created is extremely cool. And um, I'm very excited for people to see it and experience it. And um, yeah, I'm, I'll also say that Sarah, as well as all of the artists up here today, have works that are um, pre-existing works that um, 
were already minted that are on view at LACMA um, outdoors at the Stark Bar screens, which are um, reserved for time-based media at the museum. And um, so anybody who's in Los Angeles can see works that they have made over the past year that I curated on on these screens at LACMA, and they should be um, running probably through um, uh, mid-April. So um, we are, are so so excited to, to have this kind of multifaceted um, initiative that is taking shape at the museum. Jared and Collectors Corner, I'll let you kind of um, figure out what you want to, where you want to go next in the conversation. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just, I, I realize I may not have said this at the beginning, but uh, Jared up here is the co-host of Collector's Corner along with me. I'm at Aston Cloud. So, and uh, Jared is incredible, both as as an eye for his art, but also he, he knows a lot about art history and has been visiting LACMA for a long time. So this is like really special for him to be up here with these amazing artists for us, honestly. Um, and since we're, we're on the theme of the pieces that you all are making for this uh, new release, uh, perhaps we can go next to you, Monica, and hear about the art that you were preparing for this. Oh, yes. So hi, everybody. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here with those wonderful artists, and I will do my best to try to explain uh, what I'm trying to do. And thank you, Late Cactoid and Collector's Corns, and honored to be part of this group. So uh, we are going to have two releases, and the first one I'm working on. Uh, oh, Monica, so, sorry to interrupt. It's just it got muffled there for a second. Maybe that you could move the speaker. Now, is it better now? Yes. So perfect. So for the first release, I'm working with uh, a Japanese wood printer, Hokusai, and uh, he has done uh, a few, uh, a series of waterfalls that I really love. And uh, since my first contact with art was in wood cutting and uh, light lithography. And uh, um, I wanted, when I was young, to be a printer, actually. And I always had this amazing relationship with, you know, uh, this kind of thing. So uh, what I'm trying to do is uh, understand uh, what kinds of natural elements Hokusai uses in his work and try to find a way uh, to create relationship between them and to portray them in a generative art way. And uh, yeah, it continues my research about environment and perception and how we are uh, related to the place we live and how we change each other's. That in the end, it's always my big question. And um, so for the second release, it's a little bit more complicated. It's just the beginning of a huge process that I hope it's going to um, last many years. Uh, I think it's going to be a, re a real breakthrough in my production. So for the second release, um, I'm inspired 
inspired by some herbal manuscripts from Syria, Turkey, and others in Lakmas collection. And uh, what I'm trying to do, and I'm going to release the prototype of this project in the second release, is uh, I'm going to create uh, a new herbal script. It's a, a whole book with new artificial synthetic plant species, species based on the super shape algorithm for uh, tepals and sepals. And uh, in order to do that, I'm, I'm working with two other people. So we develop an uh, interactive tool to, um, you know, to have outputs from the super shape. And then uh, I'm working with my brother. He's a researcher at Max Planck Institute. Uh, he comes from genetics and biology. And uh, he is using AI to cluster and classify more than, well, thousands of images that we created. And that's going to feed the book for these new plants and species. So uh, it, it's not easy for me to explain because it's many, many encapsulated process one inside another. But uh, I hope the visual, the final visual will be good enough and we are going to have, uh, you know, whole new world of those new uh, synthetic plants. I think that, that that's the idea. That, that's so cool. I really, really love the concept there. Uh, for, for both of your works, even the more uh, traditional art is the, is the first work, uh, if, if I may call it that. And then this like really interesting idea of, you know, what happens when AI meets biology and, and we create these new things that are completely new. And I just wanted to say in kind of piggybacking on Jared's earlier comment, it's also incredible to me to hear the, the range of interests and curiosity that you all have as artists and then the creative way that you express that in your work is just unbelievable. So Thank you so much for, for sharing that. I really can't wait to see what those look like. Uh, yeah, I, I wish I could fast forward time and see them, but we'll, we'll be patient. We'll be patient. Uh, perhaps next we could go to uh, Jen and uh, hear about what you are working on for LACMA, both the initial release coming up next week and then uh, anything else. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, everybody. This is awesome to hear. Uh, everybody's inspirations and be on stage with such talented people. Um, so the piece that I drew inspiration from is uh, in the LACMA permanent collection. It's called Log Cabin. The, it's a quilt um, from the late 1800s from America. And I thought it was interesting that I chose a fabric or a textile because uh, in my professional career, I've never worked with textiles or fabrics, but in college, I studied fibers. So I was, you know, really into textiles and screen printing and sewing and all that. So I thought it was interesting to kind of bring it back to my college days. And this one, it's it's kind of like vibrating geometry, almost like muted tones, which is interesting because my my work is usually very technical or in neon, so it was a nice challenge to be able to 
you know, push, push my colors a bit and um, bring out some of the more muted tones. So, yeah, I love just like making artwork and I like the idea of uh, someone just sitting and making a quilt and it's just this like super meditative quality and I love having that in my own work. It's usually inspired by like math, nature, um, you know, kind of getting hypnotized into this sort of meditation. And yeah, the piece, the piece that I created for it is this, this pulsing, um, vibrating, kind of like mandala geometric sculpture that seems to seems to like flow through through eternity it has like random colors and rainbow colors and yeah I thought it I thought it was really interesting to just uh connect the two that way also my my great grandma actually used to sew quilts so that is kind of a cool connection as well um yeah just trying to encourage the viewer to kind of go into a trance-like experience and um yeah I'm, I'm really excited to partner with LACMA and Cactoid Labs on this. It's, it's going to be an awesome an awesome show. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, I always enjoy your tweets. It seems like uh, like a rainbow is puking all over your studio. And I mean that in the most complimentary way. Uh, so to mix that with an old quilt as inspiration, that that's, I'm excited to see what comes of it. The, uh, Heck yeah. But I'm serious. Like this is super exciting. I, so I just love talking to artists. As you guys are so next level, my brain doesn't think this way. So it's so so invigorating. Uh, next, Ick Shells, I'd like to hear about your inspiration and, and a quick fun fact. I was able to have the the ability to mint your Grails one piece. So that currently resides in my my personal collection. So. I've been a huge fan of what you're doing. And I'd love to hear about some of your inspiration for this one a little bit further, if you don't mind. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, <clears throat> so for uh, this collaboration between LACMA and Cactoid Labs, I I chose um, an, one of the earliest photographs ever taken. Um, as m many people know, I have many interests, including uh, contemporary dance, uh, photography, architecture, music. Those, those are the core um, pillars on, on my art. And of course, nature. And uh, these early photograph studies will show um, how uh, scientists will find ways to, to discover new things in nature by using the technology that was presented to them at the time, like photography was. Imagine everyone going crazy about how uh, cameras were so advanced and they um, they didn't understand how it works and how it will change the future. So I chose this photograph as a juxtaposition of like what's happening now with NFTs, which is such an early technology and generative art as well. We're still discovering like the the magic that can that can be created through these tools, which basic core is is mathematics. And I love that everyone in this collection or this group show is somewhat related to to mathematics and the beauty that can be created with algorithms. Um, I think. Uh, 
all of these tools have this as a core as well. And for me, as I've been learning through, through my journey, I think math is one of the ways to explain why everything happens and why everything exists and how we can evolve and like discover new ways to, to find more details in what lives around us or what we create. Um, yeah, this piece for me is, is really special. Like, you know, like I'm, I'm still, um, <laughs> I'm still an artist in the make in the way that I, I was just sharing art two years ago for the love of it. Never thought about being in this position and I'm still discovering ways for me to like be better and <laughs> take advantage of the opportunities and doors that that are opening for someone that that doesn't necessarily live close to these museums or galleries. Well, it's beautiful, and you're doing an exceptional job. I know we're all new to this uh, digital space and growing together, so I appreciate your courage to share that. But I will tell you, at least from one person's perspective, absolutely stunning work. The other thing I'd like to commend everybody on is the the throughput in the similar vein of, of tying all these pieces together, pulling from works at the LACMA. I think that was just absolutely brilliant. And it's cool to see this amalgamation of, of I call it modern takes uh, or digital art takes on, on some classics. So super, super cool to hear that. Yeah. And I, I also want to say, I, I love what you were talking about with uh, mathematics uh, driving a lot of this. Jared and I are both engineers by training and uh, Val has thought that math is sort of like nature's code and, and a lot of what we see is driven by that. But again, just, you know, you're talking about photography, you're talking about dance, obviously you're doing generative art. So showing the breadth of interests and skills of these artists, just for everyone listening, just try to soak that in because I'm, I'm amazed every single time. And last, but certainly not least, uh, Emily Shia would love to hear about, you know, the inspiration you took from LACMA and the work that you were working on here. And, and I also want to shout out to Emily. We got a chance to meet each other a few weeks back at Vellum. Also, really, really interesting, tons of diverse experiences, least of all our video games, but we, we won't go there now. Um, we'll, we'll talk about your work. So, uh, yeah, we'd love to hear, Emily, what you're working on. Yeah, uh, thank you. And yes, that was so fun to chat about uh, video games. I can't believe how many uh, of the same video games we love. Um, but anyway, uh, I'm, it's really great to be here with such an amazing um, group. Um, all of these artists on stage, um, on this, uh, I guess, spaces stage with me, um, continually inspire me. So this is really awesome. Um, I suppose I'll focus on one of the things I've been working on, uh, which had uh, was inspired by quilts similar to uh, to Jen. Um, so what I'm what I made was a generative artwork, um, generative piece, and um, I was super drawn to quilting um, just because I love textiles, I love fabrics, um, I love texture. Um, and quilting is fascinating to me because of the way different fabrics and you know, pieces of cloth kind of come together to create this cohesive um, whole and how each, you know, how each piece of fabric has its own history to it. Um, and I think I was also drawn to quilts just because, you know, as I was looking through the images, 
they they all had this deeply sensorial quality quality to them you know the, the fact that you knew you could sort of touch them these are physical pieces and the fact that they imbue this like sense of warmth you know like these are objects that cover you when you're cold and there's even like the sense of smell that um gets evoked when you look at these pictures in the archive you know when i was i i felt like i could smell uh, musty old blankets because um, i know these are old quilts um but in some ways i what i found extremely captivating about um quilting is just how much um quilting kind of encapsulates um so much of what generative art is all about you know it's something that's, it's handmade, it's personal, but it's also deeply computational. Um, if you think about it, you know, quilting, it's super personal. Um, it, they're made by hand. Uh, there's a lot of care that goes into it. And they've historically embodied, um, you know, self-expression. There's a lot of storytelling that goes into it. And you hand it down from, um, you know, person to person in your family. So, they're so personal, um, these objects, but at the same time, they're extremely mathematical. You know, like if you think about it, they're made of geometries and repeated shapes uh, again and again. And yeah, I just really loved thinking about this aspect um, of quilts. Um, and in the permanent collection, one of the pieces uh, that did draw me was um, this piece called Bullseye. And I loved that one because it just had these repeated circles that were super fascinating. Actually, they did, they did kind of remind me of um, uh, Jen Stark's work, actually, the way these repeated circles kind of like uh, uh, sort of um, repeated inwards on themselves. Um, but at the same time, they also were uh, really, they looked kind of not, it, they, look, they looked imperfect. So um, anyway, those, that was kind of my thinking and, um, around what drew me. And I also looked at some works on paper um, and, and continuing to do that. Um, but generally I'm just really excited to be part of this initiative. Um, and I really loved what Itzel Yard said at the end, um, how, you know, it's, it's also so uh, amazing, you know, generative artwork um, that was just a hobby, something that I love doing for fun. and. Uh, I feel as if I'm learning as I go, so it's hard for me to envision the fact that I'm even uh, working with uh, LACMA on this collection. Um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, I'm just really excited to be here. So thanks for uh, thanks for having me. Oh, this this is also beautiful. Again, like I love the inspiration behind your work. And as you were talking about quilts and blankets, I was thinking about that you know, that old childhood blanket that you have and you smell it and it brings back all sorts of memories, at least at least the musty one that, that I still have. But yeah, I, I love that. And actually what you said at the end there, Emily, is a great transition into the next question that we had for the artists. You know, it's you're now releasing a collection with the Los Angeles County Museum of Art for some of you, this, uh, like itself said, and like you said, Emily, like this was probably not even on your radar, let's call it three or four years ago. And uh, perhaps for some of you it was, but we wanted, I wanted to ask, like, what is it like for you to be releasing something at such a big renowned museum? Like, how does it feel or anything that comes to mind for you? And uh, perhaps we could go in a reverse order. So we'll go with Emily, then Itzel, then Jen and Monica. But yeah, what are the, the feelings and thoughts that are coming up? Oh, um, 
yeah, there's so much like I feel, uh, well, for one, for one, I'm excited. Um, it is an honor. Um, I'd never in my life um, envisioned I'd be doing something like this. Um, and for another, like, um, it's exciting. It's also a little nerve wracking. Um, you know, all these, uh, these works, they've, um, you know, they, they're just a part of history. And it feels like, you know, you're helping right now to build, it feels like right now we're helping to build a certain history. And that is around like this new digital art movement. Um, yeah. No, fantastic. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jared. No, I was just gonna say, I, I appreciate that. I mean, P, you referenced it earlier. When I lived in downtown LA, this was a uh, a museum I, I visited almost on a, a weekend basis. I, I just absolutely love what they are doing for art, the community, and just the how they're able to emphasize, you know, and, and really showcase great artists. Uh, I mean, it, I can't even imagine, but I got to imagine it's just such a huge honor to be there. So I guess I, I dropped that little bit of it in there, but I, I'm absolutely enamored with the the overwhelming support of what, Lady Cactoid and Cactoid Labs is doing each of the artists here, but also, you know, there's the Cosimo news release and donation. So it's just amazing what everybody here is doing. So um, I guess it shells uh, after me just rambling here. Uh, how are you, especially after the vulnerability you just shared with us, how, how are you dealing and, and feeling about being showcased at the LACMA? <laughs> uh Okay, I think um, my team, Arxco, Lady Cactoid, and uh, perhaps some of the artists know that um, it's it's been shocking in a way, um, in a good way. But at the same time, it's um, you know like everyone gets imposter syndrome at some point of their lives, and I've 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 seen a lot of art through sharing online, through having communities. And I just think that this is a way to open doors for, for these artists. Like that's how I try to keep myself in the, in earth, keep my feet in earth. Cause um, I think uh, it opens doors to generative artists, to people that have been working with geometry and like other, other types of art, like with anything they have in their hands, that is so amazing. And I'm hoping to see it in the in the future in like exhibitions and getting getting to be more known. Um, you know, like as always, there's been hierarchies in art. And like sometimes we get to hear about the same artists for for decades, for hundreds of years. And that's fine. Like we like that's what we call legends, right? But I I don't know. I, I think there should be a point of time on time that where things change and art is not just you know a way to get people to be famous, but something that you can actually feel and it can be displayed in a way where you can get to know more of the person behind the work rather than just how popular the art can become. Because that's my goal 
um, whenever I, I have someone in my, my studio, my space, I like to sit on my computer and I start creating things from scratch and see where it takes me. And I always tell the person next to me, like, oh, I created something with you here. It's special. Like, this is a special day because, like, your the colors you were wearing or the way you were talking to me or the relate the current relationship that we have in influence in all of this. So whenever someone goes to a museum or a gallery, I want them to actually feel. Because, like, a lot of us are so numbed or so used to... Um, the same things like we take it for granted but it's always nice when you feel something completely different and get that kind of like shot of adrenaline or just something that moves you so yeah that, I think aside of like all of the success and the opportunities a goal that I have in life is to keep feeling things as almost like you're falling in love for the first time <laughs> yeah wow that's so beautiful Thank you again for, for sharing that and sharing some of the vulnerability. And I think that you are already a, an amazing ambassador for folks who will be following in your footsteps later in the digital art scene and otherwise. So, uh, you know, talking about imposter syndrome, I certainly feel that uh, being up on stage with all you fantastic folks. So um, just just keep it up. It's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Really beautiful. Jen, I wanted to hand the question over to you as well. Uh, you know, you've been in some large museums before, uh, but how are you feeling about this installation? Yeah, I mean, it was when Lady Taxway presented the opportunity, I was I was all in. Um, I, I live in LA, so LACMA is such a huge institution and it's just so cool that they're that they're looking at Web3 and this new avenue of art history and they're accepting it. And I think it's awesome that also it's an all-female show. That's that's really cool. Um, and also like having having my work up on the outdoor screens, that's been a dream. And it's coincidentally called the Stark Bar. So people were a little confused. They're like <laughs> is this your bar um yeah there's words like right above the screen I thought that was funny but yeah it's it's been a really beautiful opportunity to just get to know all the curators and the staff there and um yeah I'm hoping that this creates more dialogue with other digital artists and um other creators so it's 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 been awesome for me I've I'm loving it awesome yeah I mean having the uh you can get all your friends from, from high school and before and be like, hey, come check out my exhibit. I, I'm sure you've already done that, but like the, the hometown hero type of thing is fully in play here as well. So congratulations on that. And uh, that I'm sure will be a ton of fun for you and all your friends and family. And uh, Monica, I wanted to ask you, how are you feeling about having this uh, exhibition with, with your work and this release with LACMA? Well, that's a, a really hard question because uh, I need to talk about my life and I don't usually do that. I never wanted to be recognized because of the country I was born or because I was a woman. But uh, and so I wanted to be recognized because my work is good, right? 
but I came from Brazil and everybody knows that is a country with many problems. I came from the, a very small city and uh, until I was maybe 16 or 17, I didn't have contact with big museums, only small museums in villages and small cities. And uh, so when I was uh, a child, uh, I loved arts because my grandfather has a typography, but uh, it's not an idea about being an artist. It's more like an artisan or something like this. To be an artist wasn't even uh, something possible in my mind. And I know that many people in Brazil feel like this. And uh, so uh, it's it's too hard to say because when I think in that kit that I was, uh, I I never thought that something like this would even be possible. Uh, I didn't even knew that existed something like this. And um, I hope in some somehow that can be. inspiration for others, uh, not only in Brazil, but, uh, you know, I, I cannot be, it's hard to say, you know, I could say be persistent, uh, study, and everything is going to be fine, because that's not true. I was lucky. I was lucky enough to have the opportunity and to have worked enough to be there read. But there are so many others uh, with such amazing talents and things to say to the world that has has no place. And uh, so I'm just, uh, you know, grateful. Uh, yeah, <laughs> what can I say? Uh, I'm here talking to you and uh, it's like to be in another planet. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that's it. Well, really, thank you again to for sharing that and, and being so vulnerable. Like, it's just, uh, yeah, that's an amazing story and uh, an amazing journey to make that transition. And I know that this digital art world that we're building is breaking down barriers, giving more opportunities for people who maybe feel like they never had a chance. And so I want to commend everybody here for you know, taking the time, the effort, putting yourself out there, becoming uncomfortable, everything you're doing to help make that world possible. So thank you again for sharing that for for everybody. Um, Tactoid Labs, yeah, please. Oh, awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I just um, want to just give a little bit back on, on Cactoid Labs because um, we've we've been operating in this place for, for quite a long time and, and I feel like we're, this is going to be our first um, release under the Cactoid Labs banner so just want to give some background on, on what we've been doing with with artists and uh and how we got here um so yeah basically i yeah crypto cactoid I'm, I'm under the the cactoid labs account here i i was always really into computers like as a kid I, I grew up in the 80s and back then computers were um you know you just had command line right and i would be you know in the early 90s to be able to get um, on the internet and 
was really using World Wide Web and things like Gopher and things before we even had graphical browsers. Um, so, you know, doing text-based games and, and things like that. Um, you know, I, I per- did some graphical programming, you know, way back when with basic and, um, some of the, uh, the languages for kids where you could just do like a uh, bitmaps. Um, but, uh, it, you know, I first found out about Bitcoin in, in 2011. Um, I'd been working in, in television, but I was really writing code just for fun. Right. You know, it's like at lunch, I would, you know, kind of look at, look at code and trying to do iPhone apps. And, um, you know, I got involved with, with a uh, small community here of, of really experienced developers, um, in LA. And, um, we started, you know, just looking at Bitcoin for fun. Right. And at, at the time I didn't really think about it as like this amazing, you know, financial opportunity. And I didn't actually buy any, but we definitely like wrote some, some apps, which are Bitcoin price trackers and, we were actually equally excited about Square at the time because we could, you know, have this little um, attachment for our iPhone, and we would, would split pizzas using that. <laughs> In retrospect, I definitely should have bought the forty-dollar Bitcoin, um, but you know, I kind of remember that. You know, made the decision at that time to instead focus on machine learning, um, you know, what people kind of call AI, and um, really worked my skills up there and was able to kind of work my way out working for startups and build some um, software as service apps um, using some algorithms that I worked on. And, you know, we've been able to serve billions of requests, API requests um, per month, you know, using some of those apps. And again, it's, you know, stuff you probably use, but it's, it's like B2B services. So it's, it's not a, a branded thing. Um, but, uh, you know, Lady Cactoid, you know, she's, she's been, you know, all the time I've been working on, on software, she has been doing art curation, working with the top museums in LA, speaking on, on panels and uh, working with some galleries as well. So early 2021, you know, fast forward, you know, we, you know, we're kind of, we are art collectors, you know, but, you know, pretty small art collectors. We live in a big city. We don't have a lot of space. So um, when she got on Clubhouse, we found out about NFTs. You know, it seemed like such a great opportunity to, be, you know, collectors and really support artists and, you know, kind of, you know, help with the space issue. And it really made a lot of sense to us. Um, so we kind of just got dove in head first. Right. And it's, it's been like 20 hour days since, you know, seven days a week, we've just been really, really focused on doing this. And, you know, I was lucky to have some opportunities, you know, we're buying stuff on nifty gateway and, you know, some of the early PFP projects, we're lucky to get in on some of those, you know, really inexpensively, um, from day one. And at the time, I mean, it was the wag me culture thing was big. So security, there weren't all these security concerns, but reading, you know, as a security measure for myself, anything that I would mint on Ethereum, I would read and understand the contract. And I just started walking through people who would listen, you know, I just read the contracts like a book and say, Oh, this this function means this and this means this and i was like oh this one's definitely gonna get botted or this one is gonna be compromised or this one is gonna go really well or you know um so people actually started me to start asking me to write contracts for them and um first i said no (laughs) you know because it's 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 very important to get that right um you want to be very careful 
when you're writing contracts. But eventually I started saying yes. Um, and I started writing contracts and I've really only taken on projects that are artist led projects. And, you know, I'll do collectibles, I'll do anything really. Um, but, uh, it, it really has to be artist led because the tools in the space, like there's some great tools, you know, I think, you know, manifold, you know, brings some really cool things. Um, super rare brings some really cool opportunities, but you know, the tools are somewhat limited, right? If, if you go on, on, on manifold, everybody is, has their own contract, but they're using the same contract essentially. And you have limited opportunities to really get into the artist's intent on the, on the blockchain side. And part of the reason for that is because it's difficult, right? To write a, a secure contract. Um, you have to know a lot about security. You have to know a lot about efficiency. You have to know about scaling. Um, so we, we work very carefully um, in uh, Ethereum and we were able to, you know, get some really cool projects in the last couple of years. We did um, projects with Justin Aversano and Venus over Manhattan Gallery. Um, we were able to collab with ETH Pass and do a whole physical um, component with that where the, uh, the collectors were able to go to the gallery in Manhattan and, and pick up their actual works. We actually have another release plan with Justin coming up that's going to be a whole nother uh, dimension that has a, you know, well, he'll announce that when that comes up. It's going to be really cool. And um, I was, you know, Threesomes, who's really the master of utility. Um, he's, he's, in my mind, one of the top artists in the space. He just had a one-of-one uh, sell uh, on Super Rare uh, just the other day. Um, it was you know, featured on the cover of Super Rare. And um, he did the first ever uh, hand-painted generative art project. So he, he reached out to me. We did custom contracts. And um, I did a really pretty straightforward algorithm but we're able to take the, uh, the algorithmic hash of the works and um, I ran it through the algorithm and it basically selected traits. Um, and then he hand painted um, the, uh, the paintings, the, which are PFPs, you know, with these specific traits. Um, and we have another one of those releases planned. Um, we did release number of releases with the Bonham Music, again, which had uh, physical components. Uh, we also accepted Ash on the first two releases with him because we really see this as a as a team effort, right? You know, I bought into the Ash ecosystem. A lot of people did, and there weren't that many opportunities to use it. So we're like, well, you know, if if we can give these collectors the opportunity to use some of this this Ash to get into something else, you know, we we're willing to do that. So we accepted either ETH or Ash for that release, and there was a number of physical components. And there's actually an Easter egg in one of the uh, contracts that. I ended up writing for him, which I don't think anyone's figured out yet, but uh, we're going to release, you know, information on that coming up. And um, we're also working with the artist Fortinet on an animated rubber host style game. We've all our uh, anim animated rubber host style project, right? So they're all animated. They look amazing. We've already released a game for that. We haven't sold anything on that project. So we're really trying to make sure, you know, even with artists that, we, you know, as Cactoid Labs, you know, kind of provide as much, you know, as great experience for the artists and, and the collectors as we can, um, while, you know, really keeping security and efficiency in mind, right? You know, I feel like a lot of the tools, like I said, don't really maximize what the Ethereum blockchain can do, what you can do on Solidity. Um, you can do a lot more than just, um, you know, just like an image or, or a video. So 
we're, we're working with, with some of these generative artists, which is going to be really cool. Um, and, you know, really with an eye to security and efficiency. Uh, we also started releasing ordinals. And I mean, to me, ordinals. Uh, th- this, is, this is amazing. And I, I'm, I'm sorry mm-hmm. to cut you off, just like in the interest of time. I mean, it's clear that you all have some deep technical expertise and are doing, I mean, a fantastic job not only on the security and being able to customize these things, but also in, in the outreach. And actually, I wanted to ask uh, uh, Lady Cactoid if uh, perhaps we could dive into some of the details of this release that you, you all are powering with LACMA, uh, because sure. I know that uh, folks here, they, they know that there's a, a an allow list uh, giveaway. So I wanted to make sure that we hit all of the details that you are able to share Lady Cactoid, you know, coming out March 8th. And uh, just as an FYI for folks, in terms of the allow list, it'll be a future spot based on who attends this spaces. So we're keeping track of that. There were some technical issues with the pre-mint. But yeah, uh, Lady Cactoid, what what else can you share about this uh, release and uh, anything it might bring in the future? I know I'm being cagey. <laughs> yeah, um, so... This is going to be released on March 8th, Um, and basically each artist um, here with us today, there's there's five of it, Sarah had to jump off, so um, are each uh, beginning this project with additions of 100, so the works that they, they each spoke about are going to be additions of 100, Monica is choosing an output from her algorithms, the Hokusai um, project that she mentioned based on these gorgeous Japanese woodblock prints from the 17th century. So Monica's chosen an output. Um, We are doing uh, essentially a a collection that's a 500 uh, piece collection because there's five artists. And we are going to be following that with other releases. So shortly after the first um, editions are released, Monica is going to do her long form generative release, which will be, um, you know, randomly generated uh, uh, outputs from this kind of mother seed of the Hokusai project. And then um, we're going to be doing projects with Deaf Beef, who is in the room um, here with us today. We're going to be doing um, projects with William Mappan. Um, later on, uh, we're going to be doing some uh, a collaboration with Tyler Hobbs, which will be a, a really small collection. Um, and some artists that we, we can't announce yet. What we're trying to do at the museum is really build an infrastructure so that the museum can keep experimenting with lots of different artists over time and connect it to what is happening at the museum. So um, I know we don't, there, there's, there's so much that we could talk about. Like, there's also one thing that I should mention to everyone is there's this amazing show that this is really a dialogue with not just the historic traditions of art and technology at LACMA, but an exhibition that opened a couple of weeks ago called Coded, Art Enters the Computer Age, 1952 to 1982, which is a really groundbreaking sort of reappraisal of um, early early computational art. Um, it puts that art into dialogue with 
art movements of the time like minimalism, conceptual art, op art, um, fluxus. Uh, and we, um, that exhibition runs through July. So, you know, the program that we, the programming that we're doing with these artists is going to be spaced out over time. So um, Jen, Monica, everyone is actually working on two different pieces. And so we don't have a totally concrete schedule yet, but the first release will be March 8th and then fairly regular releases after that. So their second set of um, works with the museum for these artists here are probably going to be in April. And there will be a benefit for people who have a full set, meaning like if you have all five of these historic um, artworks with the museum, there'll be a benefit for, you know, how you're able to access um, future uh, future works with um, with with the museum and with other artists. Um, Kato, did you want to add anything on that respect? Um, yeah, I mean, that, that, that's exa that's exactly it. Um... We, you know, we really working, working with the museum, we, we really, you know, we're working with, with their press department and, um, with the, with the curators there. So we, we just have to, you know, do everything kind of in order in terms of the premint stuff, but we are going to have, um, premint, we're using premint XYZ for premint. We're going to have that out, um, later this week. We have website that we've completed, which we're going to release. We have discord. Um, so we're definitely going to invite everyone in. Um, I've taken a, a snapshot of everybody in here. Um, we really, you know, we were talking with, with collectors corner. We really want to, you know, give this group of people who are listening now, you know, an opportunity to be able to mint. Um, there's the, the, the demand has been overwhelming, right? We've, we've, um, tried to keep the supply low, you know, we're cognizant of, you know, keeping supply low for the artists and we definitely plan to uh, you know, do everything we can to you know reward early collectors in the future. So um, I would say you know we're we're gonna have a, a premint specifically for this group, and you know I've I've snapshot everybody in here right now, just your twitters, and I think Collectors Corner is going to you know release that premint link once we get it approved from LACMA, because like I said, everything has to be you know approved by them, but. Um, does that make sense, um, Collectors Corner? Yeah. That we'll yeah, yeah. And actually, we we had um, we we have some some friends of Collectors Corner who were also taking a note of uh, Twitter handles that were in here. So we'll take your snapshot. We'll take the Twitter handles that we've compiled, and then uh, in terms of the premium, you know, we'll, we'll wait on LACMA to let us know how they want to do it. Uh, but we have taken an account of everybody who's been in here for this uh, allow this specific allow list giveaway. Awesome. Yeah, maybe snap yourself too if, if you're interested in, in getting like just you know take a screenshot of your screen right now um, if you're interested in, in getting access to this because there is going to be a lot of demand and we, we want to make the you know releases as fair as possible. But yeah, I'll, I yeah we have we did buy the the creator pass on the Cactus Labs IO account for Premint and um, we're really excited to share all this with all of you. And um, I think Lady Cacto did a great job explaining the, the release. And you know, when we open the Discord, we'll certainly field all questions. And we plan to you know, teach teach all these technical aspects and like curation aspects in the Discord as well. So we do encourage you to join once that's once that's open. Yeah, fantastic. And, and you know, thanks again for the work that you've put in to make this possible. I think it's really quite amazing 
to see a museum really grabbing this technology or you know working with you all to get this technology and to be able to release directly and build that relationship with the artists and i i had a question that i wanted to ask to uh, any of the artists who is interested in responding but this feels like a first to me and uh, perhaps i've missed some but this this feels like a first where a museum itself is working with you all and launching a collection and, and having this exhibit around it um i wanted to ask if any of you have thoughts on where do you see this going like do you think this will be a commonplace thing in two or three years and generally do you feel like there will be more traditional museums uh, reaching out and working in more creative ways with artists not simply having exhibitions and i know i didn't uh, call anybody specifically out but if, if any of you have questions i would love to hear that uh and uh here's deaf beef uh, deaf beef if you'd like to answer that we'd love to hear your thoughts as well deaf uh, deaf beef i don't know if, if you wanted to to jump in um, well, maybe I'll just quickly, quickly say, like, from a, from a curatorial standpoint, you know, museums, there are um, a number of other museums that are experimenting and have been experimenting in very important ways in Web3. Um, so, you know, the, in Europe, there's an, an institution called the ZKM in Karlsruhe, Germany, that's been collecting, like, very early on, they have crypto kitties and crypto punks and started collecting, I believe in 2017 or 2018. They're a museum that really focuses on art and technology. And there's institutions like the Mac in Vienna. Um, in the United States, um, MoMA in New York did a big collaboration last year with Rafik Anadol, which is now being exhibited in a very, very large um, kind of immersive screen that was a collaboration with Feral File and MoMA and then the Buffalo AKG which is a museum in Buffalo, New York did a really um, fantastic uh, exhibition also with Feral File um, the ICA Museum in Miami has been collecting but I think you know there, there are tons of museums in the country and uh in general, museums move a bit slowly, and that's, I think, a really good thing because people are doing a lot of research in museums and really want to make sure that they understand what is happening artistically and historically um, before diving in. Um, and, you know, also, like, museums are, are not you know, they're not startups, so they're not even really like Web2 institutions. They, um, I, I think what digital art and the digital sphere represents to museums is a way to connect with totally different audiences and younger audiences, international audiences. Like, this is one of the most exciting aspects of the technology for the museum. I mean, one, it's, this is an important um, movement. We have to we have to take note of it, support it, bring it into the collection. But it's also this is an avenue to reach people um, all over the world who are digitally native, um, and it, this is really the future. Um, so I think museums really recognize that, and it's going to take a while. I think that uh, it's going to take a, a couple years at least before you see a lot more museums experimenting with this, but like SF MoMA in San Francisco just acquired one of their first 
works on the blockchain. So things are definitely happening. And I'm super curious to hear if Def Beef um, or anybody else, uh, the ar artists, what you guys have been kind of, oh, I should also mention the Pompidou in, in Paris. You know, they just acquired a lot um, of NFTs. And, um, you know, our friend Noah Davis, who, who, who runs CryptoPunks, um, has been really trying to get punks in museums, which is a very important history that should be part of the canon of art history. So yeah, um, Def Beef, I wanna, I know you just joined the stage. Oh, hi. Um, yeah, I'm just actually, I'm walking outside, but uh, I will say um, that, uh, that I was able to listen into the first half of the conversation and uh, uh, this is just really inspiring, and and uh, I'm happy to be participating. Very pleased to be participating, and among um, all these wonderful artists and uh, curators and engineers. So thank you. But I got I got I got to hop off now. Let somebody else field the question. Thank you. Yeah. Th thanks for hopping on, and uh, would love to hear. Well, as as uh, some of our artists, uh, if you have any thoughts on. The expansion to museums, and you know, we saw the news with Excel, uh, excuse me, Excels in the Buffalo AKG, AKG Museum, which is amazing, and the Rafik MoMA work. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff happening behind the scenes. Uh, perhaps you all are, are being contacted by some museums, but I'd love to hear if you all have any thoughts on how that could play out going forward. And in uh, actually, I'll pause there and just see. I don't think there's any uh, thoughts on it, but if not, we can go on because I have another question. Okay, five seconds of awkward silence. That's uh, that's enough. So I'll uh, I'll move on because uh, I have a question for you. Uh, actually, from the Cactoid Lab standpoint, if you are hearing of museums reaching out wanting this technology. I know that this is a, a first with LACMA, so perhaps there'll be more inbound requests coming later, but are you hearing more about museums wanting to not only have these fantastic digital works as part of their canon, but um, actually be a part of it and, and release works with artists? Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Cactuide. No, go, go ahead, I was gonna say, I'll let you take, cause yeah, Lady Cactuide is really our, our you know, museum, you know, communication lead in the company so yeah you go ahead and take that um the, well the answer is yes there's there there is a lot of interest on the part of museums um there's you know there's a huge education kind of component to this because you know we all know that that uh by and large people are not very familiar with blockchain or comfortable with it um but museums are very interested because like I was saying, it, this is really a, a tool to to be part of, you know, really the sort of future of art and the future of, of communication, because we're talking about a decentralized Internet, which is going to sort of define the way we operate and communicate with each other. So I think museums really recognize that. And I, I have been speaking with some other large institutions about projects. And um, I think that we'll see them come to fruition. You know, I think sooner rather than later, I think these big announcements of the Pompidou and LACMA have big ripple effects in the art world and people 
people see that and think, okay, this is this is something that we too need to to take more seriously. Um, and uh, you know, we couldn't be more lucky to be in Los Angeles and to be. I've been working with LACMA for for many years, and it's it's you know both like other institutions and a little bit unique because it has this very rich history of art and technology. So in that sense, it really feels um, this passion and commitment to to forging that that um, bridge and these dialogues and um, yeah and you know to just to like reiterate as well that this whole um, project that we're doing with um, the five artists here today, as well as these future artists like um, Def Beef and, um, and William and Tyler, this is gonna go to support the art and technology lab at LACMA, which is really cool because it, it basically is helping to bring more art that is really pushing the boundaries of art and technology to fruition. So, um, just we're really excited to 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 bring it all, um, you know, to life with everybody, and to keep, ha- you know, bringing bringing more of this community into the museum, and bringing the museum to this community, and um, and seeing what can happen um, collectively with with collaboration. Wonderful, like yeah. When when you first reached out to us about this, I was like, this is so cool that you know, you are doing this, that this is even possible, that LACMA is interested. And I think what a cool thing for these artists and the future artists to come to go through that experience. And and hopefully it's a model that gets replicated and finds success more broadly across museums, because it just feels like another level of engagement and interactivity with, you know, collectors, visitors, artists uh, across the board. So really appreciate you all doing this and uh, explaining that and, and sharing your perspective on this. We wanted to open up the floor for some audience questions. And uh, Jared, I, I know you're gonna have to drop soon if you wanna say a couple of words before going, and then we'll, we'll see if anybody has questions. And, and if not, don't worry, I have plenty. Oh, not, not sure if uh, Jared had to jump already, but he has a work call. So um, yeah, anyone in the audience, just feel free to go ahead, uh, raise your hand request and uh, I'll go ahead and and get it started. I wanted to uh, first ask you, Emily, and then any of the other artists, uh, if um, we're relevant. Um, You mentioned that you drew a lot of your inspiration here for this particular piece from Quilts. And uh, I know that recently over in NFT Paris, uh, Alexis, excuse me, Alexis Andre had a release called uh, Navette which uh, was a, a physical tapestry that was created using generative work, which is just super cool. Um, I'm curious, Emily, do you think that there would be a physical with this that you would consider? Um, and my, my answer is probably not because that's a lot of work. But in general, have you thought about taking some of these generative pieces and then uh, creating a physical that isn't necessarily just a painting, but uh, another object that we might use? Um, yeah, that's a very interesting question. Um, I haven't actually gotten to the point of thinking about um, like a physical or print that would accompany um, this particular piece that I'm releasing. Um, but in general, I have been giving um, this a lot of thought about this connection between 
the digital and the uh, the physical. Oh wait, is is everything okay? I feel like I keep hearing a a, a blip. Um, or is everyone able to hear me okay? Yeah, you sound okay from from our end. Oh, okay. Oh, great, great. Yeah, I think that was um, the new people joining. This was the beep because we do have some questions coming up. Yep. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Um, so yeah, I, I think that there's a lot there, right? Like, I think there's a lot to thinking about how can we sort of create manifestations of something that is inherently digital, inherently just pixels on a screen. How can we sort of um, uh, sort of create some sort of bridge into the physical world where it can be kind of like appreciated in a different way, right? Like when something's kind of manifested physically, it has dimensionality, it has texture, and it has all these other components and elements that might not, um, that might be kind of like, you know, um, sort of evoked on a flat screen, but is so much, uh, I just think there's a pretty interesting dialogue there. Um, and I don't think that, you know, as human beings, we don't, we don't, live entirely like uh, online digital is a big part of our world but we don't live online like in this digital space entirely so i think it's really important kind of as a cultural exploration to sort of think about how those two spaces can come together yeah that's that's a fantastic response and i know that you've done a lot of collage work uh, before and, and that was the i remember the video that you did for proof grails where you had mentioned that. And I think that so many of you artists have just amazing talents beyond the digital that it's really cool to see that manifesting and coming together. And so if you do do a generative quilt someday, please let us know. I, I would be interested in that one. Um, uh, Jeff Lebowski, uh, thanks for coming up. What, uh, love to hear your questions. Hey, how's it going? Thanks. Uh, Emily, proud MOQ holder. Um, but my question was for the artists um, regarding display in museums. And, you know, before NFTs, obviously, if you had physical artwork, the only way it could be displayed at a museum was that the artwork had to literally be at the museum, right? And an interesting aspect of NFTs is that with electronic displays, just the way the technology works, you don't actually need to physically have, you know, the, the, the artwork doesn't exist physically anywhere and therefore it can be presented digitally anywhere. And to me, there's this interesting question of, you know, the Centre Pompidou or LACMA, in a way, they don't actually have to, you know, own the NFTs that they're displaying. Um, and maybe they should own them, right? Or they should have them, uh, you know, authorized by the owner to be shown. But, you know, we joke around about right-click save and like, I can pull up any of your artworks on my computer right now and that's perfectly fine. So I'd just be interested to hear about how you think about ownership dis and display at institutions, whether it be a museum or any other kind of institution. Um, in that context, if that makes sense. Happy to clarify if that, that, that didn't make sense. I, I have something quickly to add. Um, uh, the, there's uh, right-click save, the website and publication. Um, there's, there's an artist and lawyer, an author named Brian Fry, Brian L. Fry, and he's, uh, he's written about this. He has an article on right-click save. Uh, I don't think I can post the URL, but I just wanted to put that out there because he, he talks a little bit about, a, a bit about this might be of interest. 
I, I can definitely speak a little bit about, you know, some of the conversations that we've had with the museum and yeah, I'll definitely, you know, take it back to the artist. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, for example, for, with the, with the Stark bar screens, you know, we did get, uh, permission from all the artists involved and, and the collectors who are owner of, of the pieces. And you can see, uh, the credit up there. Um, if you go to the museum, you know, at the end of uh, each artist cycle, um, to me, you know, the blockchain stuff, it's, it's not really about which blockchain, you know, we're, we're completely blockchain agnostic. Um, I would like to see, and, you know, we've definitely been talking to other people who are involved with museum NFTs about having some type of, you know, on-chain record for, um, for loans and, um, you know, kind of the, the ERC 721 standard, you know, has, has some limitations, but, um, we're, these are these are things we're definitely thinking about for the future. I mean, it, it's great, you know, if the museum owns the piece or borrows the piece. It's certainly a lot easier to lend pieces, you know, even across blockchain than via you know, physical lending, which is very expensive, very complicated, involves, you know, special couriers and, and crating and insurance and all these things. Um, so, yeah, I think it's it's pretty early right now in terms of, you know, we're really in the exploratory phase for that we've done a lot of cons consultations with different museums on uh you know how to move forward with that um but yeah i mean it's it's definitely a priority to to do it the right way awesome yeah and and do any of the artists have thoughts about if your work is being displayed if, if it should be owned by that museum or lent out so only you have you know, maybe a couple of museums at one time versus they should outright own it uh, you know, I'll just um, I'll just say, um, and and maybe some of the artists want to jump in that we have a number of works on display at LACMA by these artists right now, um, and one of them uh, was actually part of this recent gift of Cosimo de' Medici's to the museum, which is Monica's um, work called Death Death, which is part of her Tropical Garden series. But all the others are not part of the museum's collection. They were lent by the artists and the collectors who um, own them um, to the museum, which is, you know, a really standard thing for museums to do. Museums borrow works from other institutions, from artists all the time that aren't necessarily part of the museum's collection. So in some way, that was a rather standard um, a standard sort of experience, but I think what Cactoid was saying is actually really, really interesting is that like it would be great to know the provenance of where artworks are being displayed because, you know, so many amazing artists are participating in all these exhibitions all over the world and different fairs at different NFT conferences. And I think it would be super helpful if somehow in the metadata of, you know, there would have to be like, a, I guess, a standardized kind of um, protocol in place, but to know where each work had actually been physically, I think that would be super cool. Um, and I'm sure museums would be very interested in that. Um, I don't know if any of the artists have any thoughts on it. Well, uh, as the artists think about if they'd like to comment on that, I'd love to go to uh, NFT Museum up here, who uh, just recently tweeted that uh, you're in Newbury, South Carolina, and you're interested in working with digital artists for exhibitions and collaborations. So I actually would love to hear your take as a museum on that. 
Uh, and then uh, any other question you have? Yeah, thank you, thank you. Yeah, so my name's Robert Matheson and my wife and I founded, we're, we're a private museum in Newberry, South Carolina with a physical space. And we've been operating now since uh, October of 21 and with multiple exhibitions. For example, we have a generative art exhibition featuring 12 artists coming up on March 3rd um, here in Newberry. And the way we've tackled it is we, we do, we have a permanent collection, you know, so that's something we do find important um, as a museum, just as a collector and supporter in the space. But uh, the way that we display is using mostly digital projection. And we've expanded that to digital projection uh, onto buildings in the city, you know, so you can take it out into the public art. But uh, yeah, these ideas of provenance and recording that on chain, you know, generally we'll create posters or those types of things that we, you know, will mint on chain to commemorate these events. But uh, I like this idea of, of creating some type of mechanism so that it can be shown at which museums and uh, we have provenance of ownership and not of display. Um, but I kind of, I've kind of wanted to just throw out some of those kind of use cases and how we've been tackling it because it's a very non-traditional museum context to, to be able to display your collection and have it rotating on these digital displays. You know, you can show thousands of pieces in the same space as it would take to, you know, fill the whole LACMA, for example, uh, with physical works. So just throwing that out there. Yeah, no, I really appreciate that take. And uh, it's it's going to be really interesting to see how the dynamics change when, you know, you, you could have your digital work displayed somewhere, 10 different places simultaneously, et cetera. So, um, yeah, this is a great uh, question, Jeff. Really appreciate that. And uh, NFT Museum, did you have a, a separate question you wanted to ask? I'm sorry, in regard to... Oh. Oh, no, you had requested. I didn't know if that was your question or if the, it was just the, the comment you wanted to make there. No, yeah, yeah. So the question being, like, essentially, from the artist's perspective, is how how important is it that the museum, you know, actually hold a physical piece? Um, do you think that's, you know, you know, how do the artists feel about that as far as, of course, some pieces that have historical uh, provenance and importance you know, a, a collector may not want to part with. And so in order to display it, you literally have to take it on loan. But but as far as the museum's role in supporting the artist by collecting their works, like, is that is that an important consideration on whether they give approval? So, for example, for it to be displayed. Yeah, and, and maybe I can pick on someone to to see their thoughts on it. And uh, if, if you don't have any response, no worries. But Jen, I'd be curious to hear your take on this, just uh, given that you've had experience in the trad art world as well. Yeah, so physical versus digital. Um, I mean, of course, my dogs are going to bark while I'm talking. Uh, I'm open to either. I think they're both just as important. Um, it's, it's a new world, so who knows how it's going to go. But um, yeah, with this, like, I like to call it a new avenue of art history, this NFT world and digital space. And I think the digitals will be just as important as the physicals. And yeah, I don't think one detracts from the other and I don't think you necessarily have to have a physical. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see where it's going to evolve to. Awesome. Well, well, thank you, Jen. 
And uh, thank you, NFT Museum, for the question. You know, I, I wonder if this is almost like too new of a concept for people to have, have really thought through it. Uh, but I think it'll be really interesting to see how many museums have the provenance of having displayed a piece of work, I, I guess, in a sanctioned way, right? Because they could always right-click save and display that. And so we'll see how that plays out. And for uh, Deaf Beef, I, I found the article. It's called Should Art Museums Collect NFTs by Right-Click Save. Just came out in uh, January 9th. So everybody should check that out. There's not a tweet that I can pin re regarding to that. But if you go to rightclicksave.com, January 9th, this article just came out. It looks like it's definitely an interesting one. And uh, Toth, I want to throw it over to you uh, to the last question so we can be respectful of everyone's time. How are you doing? And what would you like to ask the artist? Great. Thank you. Hope everyone's doing well. And this has just been a fantastic panel. Uh, so so really, I was curious uh, to Lady Cactoids, uh, one, um, was there any pushback from on the, uh, just 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 doing such a such an exhibit at LACMA from from some of the you know traditional uh, patrons of the museum? Uh, and secondly, like, are you making any um, any strides towards um, allowing people to or finding people to mint their first ever you know piece of digital art through this process? Is is there anything you're doing consciously uh, to onboard folks like that? Yeah. Um, well, so in terms of, of pushback, um, I well, at LACMA, I would say no. Um, but I think in the traditional art world, there is a lot of pushback um, towards, I think, new technologies of any sort. So I, I don't even really think it's something that is so personal when it comes to, you know, that's how I sort of understand it. So there's a lot of pushback from the traditional art world. There's a lot of hesitation all alongside there being a lot of curiosity and excitement about it. Um, but LACMA in, in specific, there is this really um, long running art and technology program, which I've mentioned that really has been um, supported continually at the museum and the CEO of LACMA um, Michael Govan has been incredibly um, just forward thinking about about bringing technology into the museum. So it's really it's really um, LACMA who came to us to, you know, try to build this with them. Um, and I will say that there are a few board members at LACMA that have been very important to um creating a, a, a sort of richer um, home for digital art at the museum. So um, Paris Hilton, uh, her husband is a board member and she basically started a, a gift um, which is earmarked to collect work by um, women in the digital space. So there, there, are, there are things happening at many different levels at the museum, but um, it's... Uh, by and large, very promising. And I think that in terms of bringing people who are not native to collecting into the sphere, we are trying our best to walk through um, friends um, of the museum who don't have wallets and help them basically um, get their first NFT. Um, and I think, you know, that there's there's a lot there's a lot of um 
just excitement on that dimension. I think it's it's going to be it's going to sort of be a slow process. If I have to be totally you know honest, it's it's still intimidating to people, but um, people are very excited and want to especially be part of this historic project because um, because of you know what the what the museum has been doing over time and because of how exciting these artists are that we're working with. So, um, yeah, everyone's, everyone's super excited about it. That's really awesome to hear the, the, Oh, Jay Paul's, I think you might've gotten rugged. I, I can't hear him either. Um, I, I let him know it, it probably, uh, he'll be back in a second. Um, so while that's the, while Jay Paul's is figuring out those technical difficulties, um, Maya, uh, thanks for requesting. Uh, I can, yes, I can hear you now. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Okay, great. Um, I just had a, a quick question. How did you, and, and forgive me if you've already um, explained this, I, I hopped in a little late, but um, how did you go about choosing the artist uh, that, you know, has been chosen for, for this latest exhibition. Do you, was there, um, I mean, given the, the price of, uh, some NFT projects, um, you know, NFTs, I think in large part are still, um, for some people out of reach. And so I'm just wondering, like, what kind of due diligence do, does LACMA do in, in the choosing of these artists? Do you, is there a process um, that that you know you go through, or I'm just wondering how these and these are amazing artists. I'm just wondering um, mainly how you went about choosing them. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, the, there. This has been a a long conversation between myself and Cactoid and. Um, the curatorial department at LAFMA. Um, and, you know, it's, it's always really hard as a curator um, because there are thousands of, of artists who uh, I am, you know, watching every day make amazing work. Um, and, uh, you know, we just ultimately have to start start this dialogue and our intention is to grow that dialogue and to keep bringing more and more artists into this conversation. But um, we were really trying to sort of look at the historic exhibition that we have up at the museum right now, which was organized by Leslie Jones um, called Coded, which I mentioned. I actually did an interview with Leslie, which I pinned to the top for Right Click Save, that talks about that exhibition. But we were really looking to forge dialogues between that exhibition and contemporary artists. And so everybody um, here in different ways connects back to these early pioneers of computer art. Um, so for instance, Jen uh, Stark has this really beautiful dialogue between um, the tradition of op art uh, and and how that it figures into the story that Leslie tells in Coded. Um, there's an amazing painting by the British op art uh, painter, Bridget Riley, that is at LACMA right now. And her sort of interest in these sort of 
optical, um, you know, sensorial experiences really connected so well with Jen. And I know Jen can speak to um, her interest in Bridget Riley, but we kind of, it kind of goes on from there. Like um, with Monica, there's one of the interesting conversations that Monica and I were having is that um, using code to make um, art can often be um, a, a very abstract and geometric um, process. But Monica's work is um, generally very, very rooted in, in life and, and figurative representations of organic um, you know, phenomena like flowers. And um, that is an interesting dialogue with an artist that's encoded named Valdemar Cordero, who is a very important Brazilian pioneer of computer art, who also used computational, um, you know, uh, code to make figurative work. So we were sort of, basically, we, we wanted to, to create dialogues between the show that's up at, at LACMA now, and, um, and these artists are just doing such fantastic work that uh, this is, these are the conversations that we're, we're starting this all um, out with. But um, it will be growing from here and expanding and just stay tuned. <laughs> um, that's a great question. Hopefully Twitter doesn't rug me this time. But uh, I guess, Lady Cactoid, what I was asking about is... Uh, unfortunately, it looks like Twitter has rugged Jared again right when he was about to ask his question. So um, not sure exactly what's uh, going on there. But... Uh, we uh oh J jared can you hear you want this to is ask me again i, I am i just yeah. keep i keep rambling into into a white space apparently i wouldn't have known yeah, try, if, we can hear you now try it unless lady cactoid started the laughing emoji this, this is insane I, I, this is the third time's a charm for this question <laughs> okay go ahead I'm, I'm gonna try it's well rehearsed at this point the the question is i look at what you're doing and the not only as a representation for for digital art and showcasing some really great female artists i also wanted to ask is is there also a component or are there any hopes or desires that you have for influencing future generations of artists and i say that almost front running with my own response which would be i having visited lacma a ton of times on a regular basis and being a patron when i was in la i loved how it brought in such a diverse group of patrons. And I got to imagine just looking at all the different, you know, school buses and, and tours that were, were able to be there, that this exhibit could just really have a deep resonance with, with the future generations. And, and I, I guess my question ultimately is, was there any consideration for this? And if any of the artists can speak to it, would there be any hope or desire uh, for having that sort of uh, legacy type of influence on on the future generation of artists. Yeah, and I and I think also I'd like to hear from um, uh, Ixchels, uh, but th this is a great question because this is something that the museum is very interested in bringing to fruition, which is essentially education in Web3. Um, so we are trying to apply for grants and, you know, seek out funding to see if there's a way to, to help the museum 
create um, workshops like, like what what you know what you mentioned being here in LA. I mean, LA the LA USD school system doesn't have um, doesn't offer art classes because they've been stripped away in the city budgets. And LACMA actually serves a really important role in the city in terms of busing kids in for field trips and classes. And it would be amazing to be able to um, offer workshops on how to use digital tools to make art and what is blockchain and whatnot and, you know, bring amazing artists to speak with kids. So that's, that's a really big, um, goal that, that the museum is very interested in trying to explore and see how to do. Um, and I'm curious to hear from Meek Shells because I know that, um, that you itself have been such an important, um, teacher and, 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 and speaking, you know, uh, uh, trying to sort of spread how to use code to make art. And you really kind of see yourself as a model for a younger, a younger generation. So maybe you have some thoughts on that. Um, sorry, I didn't catch the questions. I did hear like what was around the, your, your comments, but, uh, would you rephrase what the question? Yeah. Yeah, no, Jared was just talking about about the future generations. And I was talking about how at the museum, it would be amazing to build educational programs um, to teach people about digital tools to make art and what blockchain is. And I know that you spend a lot of time thinking about, you know, how to reach younger generations. And maybe you have some thoughts on how your practice, you know, could be a launching pad to inspire younger artists. Um, yeah, I was just thinking uh, these days that I'd like to see more uh, interactive works in the museum, like so people can can get to the to the piece, but there's also the computer next to it or a way for the person to interact with the piece and create more art out of this this tool because uh that's what generative art uh is all about sometimes we sit with the the algorithm for hours days months and there's so many outputs that we can get out of it sometimes we don't open the program for for a few years and then we suddenly open it again and there's a whole new um set of patterns that we can take out of out of this program. So what I've learned in Panama uh, by doing different performances, um, most of them live, is that people get close to me, get behind my computer, and like they just want to know where all these colors, shapes uh, come from. And I I really enjoy just being there in the computer and having people behind and like explaining them or that they can touch, they can grab the mouse uh, or the, the keyboard and just or use the camera to create new artworks. So yeah, uh, I envision um, having more of like this interactivity in museums and that, that way people don't only get the interest to 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 study this by seeing the articles or seeing what we do online but they they get the feeling that of creating in um in the spot 
I think that that will be a good strategy to get more people to to understand and get to love digital art more, especially in places like Latin America or other places where we don't really use computers to create art that much. I love that. I think that that that's what everyone is craving is this this um, sense of agency when you go into a museum that you can also be involved and um, you know be part of the art. And I think that's really that's really kind of integral to Web three and what um, these these peer to peer networks are creating is a space for us all to collaborate artists to artists, collectors to artists um, all together. So that's awesome. Yeah. My, my final thought on is I could definitely see this exhibition inspiring the likes of a lot of individuals and especially being able to present it in a digitally native uh, environment where it can access a lot of people. I'm super, super excited, not only for the exhibit, but the, the impact it will have on, on the up and coming generation. I think it, all the artists up on stage are definitely an inspiration and hearing their stories is going to be even further propagation of anybody can, you know, do this or at least has the opportunity to do it and, or may have to get access tools to do it. But, you know, it's everyone up stage. And I'll say this as a parting thought, you guys have been an absolute inspiration to me, loved the stories. And I love what, uh, what Cactoid Labs is doing with LACMA to to be an evangelist for for not only the digital space but women in the in the industry and showcasing this as your your first one out the gate it's absolutely amazing. Yeah, uh, just this has been such a great conversation. Uh, unfortunately, we are going to have to wrap to be respectful of everyone's time. I wanted to say really quickly for the allow list, uh, please uh, to be eligible, you have to follow Cactoid Labs. Follow uh, LACMA, that's just at L-A-C-M-A, excuse me, L-A-C-M-A, and follow us at Collector's Corner. And we will follow up with the lucky winner for that allow list giveaway. And I'm so sorry, Tuna, Muna, Luna, you have an amazing name, but I want to be respectful for these artists' times, uh, for these artists' time and Lady Cactoid's time and Cactoid Labs and, and everybody else who's come up here and participated. So... I'm so sorry. Just uh, send us a, a tweet. We'll, we'll try to get your question answered back channeling. Uh, but thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And thank you to our fantastic artists. Uh, do, you, do you have any parting words or just want to say bye? I'll, uh, I'll pause here. But we really appreciate you all. Okay, we, we, we can keep it with hearts and not coordinate the, the muting and unmuting. But uh, seriously, this has been amazing. Thank you, Defby, for hopping on. Uh, I shared that article up in the pinned tweet there as well thanks for finding it and and tweeting it and yeah really looking forward to this release and where everything goes just again commend everybody here for for trailblazing this really amazing collaboration can't wait to to see it thank you so much you guys do such important conversations surrounding generative art and you thank you for having all of us and uh super excited for every everyone to see what um all the artists have been working on with the museum. So um, see you, see you in the Twitterverse. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll see everybody on the Metaverse. Thank you.
Thank you for tuning into Collector's Corner. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen. If you like this episode and want to help us out, please subscribe and leave us a review on your podcasting platform of choice like Apple Podcasts and Spotify and follow us on YouTube. Please also follow us on Twitter for announcements as we expand to other social and content platforms. Our Twitter handle is at collectors underscore XYZ. We'd also love to hear any feedback you have. So please comment or reach out. We're always striving to be more useful and get better so we can help you in your collecting journey. The Collector's Corner team and their guests are not registered investment advisors. All views expressed on this podcast are personal opinions and are not specific inducements to make particular investments or investment strategies and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. This show is solely for informational and entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, please consult a professional.